Memphis, welcome to the weekend. Welcome to Friday. Welcome. Welcome to Memphis Flyer Radio right here on 91.7 WYXR, raised by sound and anywhere that you get your podcast. This show is brought to you by the Memphis Flyer, your alternative news weekly based right here in good old Memphis, Tennessee, USA. And to be completely honest with you, we got a great big show for you today, action packs. And we're not going to do a lot of jibber-jabber up here on the top front of the show. The top front of the show, you can write that down. I just coined that phrase. But let's see, Frank Murtaugh is going to talk about basketball. The Grizzlies and the Tigers are starting their seasons off, and we're going to check in with those guys. Jackson Baker is going to talk about a new memoir from Shelby County politician Carol Chumney. And Michael Donahue is going to talk to us about musician-turned-restaurateur Free Soul, who's got a new turkey leg business that uh, you'll want to hear about very, very soon. We'll have some news, of course, in the Memornet. Then we'll have some choice cuts from our calendar to help you get your weekend together. All right, folks, I don't even have to check, so here we go! We're going to start the show just like we do each and every week. This week with a little tricky look down the mean streets of the Memornet. Tricks for treats. Evan Savage wrote to next door, I can't believe someone actually had the gall to steal my entire candy bowl I left out for trick-or-treaters, even with my ring camera being on right. Be wary of tricksters. The ghouls are out tonight, he wrote, and you can see a picture that he posted of the guy stealing his candy bowl. The same thing happened to Shay Gabrileschi's candy bowl, and he posted a picture of that person from the ring doorbell also. Similarly, Catherine Ryan posted a ring camera footage of a porch pirate pilfering packages. Say that five times fast. How they saw it. Tennessee House Republicans tweeted Saturday, quote, The General Assembly has outlawed COVID-19 mandates in Tennessee. Last night we chose freedom over mandates. It's a great day to be a Tennessean. That's how they saw it. Have a look at the week that was. The Kellogg strike continued, but officials from the company called union leaders to the negotiation table as the strike entered its third week here. Uh, Company officials say they were willing to consider any proposals, but but strikers were back on the picket lines last week, gearing up for what one uh, worker called war. The co-owner of a Memphis water testing consulting firm must pay a six-figure fine after pleading guilty to fabricating water quality results for state environmental permits. Court papers say that Diane Gordon made up at least 405 results and reports and forged documents from a reputable testing laboratory, and now she'll have to pay more than $200,000 in restitution and faces a penalty of up to five years in prison. Masks are no longer mandatory indoors at businesses, according to the latest health directive issued last week from the Shelby County Health Department. Instead, masks are now highly recommended, and the new rules will continue until the end of November. The move away from the indoor mask mandate comes due to the decline in COVID-19 cases, reflecting that Shelby County is currently not a high-transmission area. That's according to the health department. Looking back at the second news hole in a story headline stripped, Tennessee Republicans limited last week many pandemic-fighting tools health officials have used to slow the spread of COVID-19 for the last 20 months. 
A special called meeting of the Tennessee General Assembly last week ended early Saturday morning with GOP-led legislation against mask mandates, vaccine requirements, and the powers of some county health departments, like Shelby County's. The new law largely bans mask mandates for government entities and public schools. Mandates can only be considered for each in, quote, severe conditions, that is, if an area has more than 1,000 cases per capita. Then and only then, mask mandates could be in place for two weeks. Vaccine requirements were largely, largely banned for governments, schools, and some private companies. Businesses across Tennessee, including Ford Motor Company, asked lawmakers to vote against the bill, saying the rules were a government interference. So lawmakers exempted certain private businesses like Ford from the law. Lawmakers received a letter about the legislation last week from a long list of Tennessee businesses, nonprofits, and chambers of commerce, including the Greater Memphis Chamber and St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. The letter reads, We oppose any proposals that outright remove the ability of an employer to determine their own vaccination and mask policies. We believe any legislation of this kind is unnecessary government intrusion into the operation of our businesses. The new law will also allow state unemployment benefits for employees who quit or are fired from a job for not getting a COVID-19 vaccine. The Shelby County Health Department and five others like it were stripped of pandemic-era mandate powers, including masks and restaurant restrictions, and the new law gives those powers to local mayors. State Rep. Kevin Vaughn, a Republican from Collierville, said these health departments are over-loving Tennesseans and compared it to a child with a new puppy. The child, quote, squeezes and that puppy starts squealing. Finally, the puppy runs from the child from then on. Quote, we are being overprotected in some places, Vaughn said. We've seen a situation to where people are, in the name of good intentions, are creating consequences that may either create ill intent or create an environment for noncompliance, which then undermines the entire system. Tennessee Governor Bill Lee tweeted about it all. I commend members of the General Assembly for working to address the Biden administration's overreach into our state, our workforce, and our schools. We are evaluating each piece of legislation to ensure we push back on harmful federal policies and do right by Tennesseans. Murtaugh, you know him, has been writing sports for the Memphis Flyer for a very, very long time now, making sure that you're up to speed with everything that's happening uh, on the baseball diamond in the arenas. Uh, and this week, uh, Frank, you've got the cover story. Uh, it's called Swish Bluff City Baskets. Uh, I read the top of it. We're getting ready for a new for new seasons uh, for Tigers and Grizzlies basketball. And you say that uh, there's plenty of reasons to root for the home team. Why? Well, and Toby, it's, it's really exciting. You know, I, I can speak primarily from the Tigers' viewpoint. That's my beat. And, um, you know, Penny Hardaway has landed the, the top-ranked uh, recruiting class in the country for the second time in three years. Uh, you, know, it, you know, Tiger fans, if you want to go back two years, there's some heartache as that uh, kind of went sideways with, uh, uh, with young James Wiseman and some, some controversy involving his um, arrival on the Memphis campus. But let's put that aside. You know, fast forward here to 2021, and you've got Imani Bates, uh, a young man who appeared on the cover of Sports Illustrated as a sophomore in high school, for crying out loud, uh, the, the Gatorade National Player of the Year uh, that season. He is a freshman uh, with the Tigers, and another young man, Jalen Duran, 
uh, a big center, a guy already with an NBA body, a guy who's um, going to make some some folks remember Joey Dorsey from the, the mid and late 2000s, a uh, really muscular, talented center. He's another guy who could uh, who could end up being in the uh, the top five or ten of next year's NBA draft. Um, so it's, there's just a lot of excitement, Toby. The, it, Penny's got this the star-studded recru- recruiting class, and in addition, DeAndre Williams and Landers Nolly, a couple of veterans returning from last season, a young man, Alex Lomax, uh, that, that folks can read about in this week's issue of the Flyer, uh, who will be playing his 12th season for Penny. Toby, he um, he started playing for Penny um, as a as a fifth grader, played for him through middle school and high school. And here he is as a senior with the Tigers. And, you know, he has yet to make it to the NCAA tournament. So it's a season with uh, a lot of excitement, but a lot also at stake, I think, for for Coach Hardaway and um, and particularly uh, a senior like Alex Lomax. But season gets started next Tuesday. Tennessee Tech comes to town, and I, I think it's going to be a fun winner. You know, I think when Penny got to town, uh, everybody expected that to be sort of this big magic bullet uh, for for the Tigers. Uh, have we gotten there? Are we getting there? Well, yeah, that's a great question, Toby. And and uh, you know, I I believe I wrote. If I didn't, I, I said it on the airwaves somewhere that um, Penny would never be more popular than the day he was introduced as head coach because the expectations are they're over the moon. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's hard to live up to those. I think he's done, I know he's done a, a good job of getting Memphis back on the national stage where followers of this program want the, the program to be. He has yet to play in the, to, to take a team to the NCAA tournament. He has yet to win the American Athletic Conference championship, either the regular season or tournament. So those are major boxes unchecked. Um, here, you know, as the as year four of the Penny, the Coach Penny era begins, um, those are boxes that could be checked this winter, I believe. But um, that's a rambling answer to your question. I think Penny is getting to where fans want him to be, but I'm not there yet. Yeah, no, that's not rambling at all. I think you kind of uh, you set the boxes out and said, uh, here's some expectations. Switching gears a little bit to the Grizzlies as their season gets heated up. Uh, what do we have to look forward to this year? Well, you know, the Grizzlies, they're off to a, a decent start. Uh, John Morant, he's, if he doesn't play in the All-Star game this year, I'm not sure they should have the event. He's, he's averaging almost 30 points a game over their first seven games. Um, his, his right-hand man, Jaron Jackson Jr., is, is off to an uneven start, but um, he's, he's healthy again. He missed most of last year. I think if the Morant and Jackson tandem, along with the, the supporting cast, guys like Desmond Bain, um, DeAndre Melton, if these guys step up, um, you know, the, the Southwest division, the five team division, the Grizzlies play in, uh, the Dallas Mavericks, Houston Rockets, New Orleans Pelicans, it, it's there for the taking. Um, now, you know, the conference standings, you get at the larger picture, Utah Jazz, the team that eliminated Memphis in last year's playoffs, the LA Lakers with LeBron are always um, playing on a different level. The Clippers are still there. The Golden State Warriors have some guys back. Uh, the Western Conference is going to be a battle, but I'm not sure there's a more exciting, uh, you know, player, you know, under the age of 25 in the NBA than John Morant. And I say that with you know, Luka Doncic and, and Trey Young being in the mix. Uh, Morant is that kind of, uh, you know, above the rim. Uh, d- did you see that uh, type of player? And Amy and, and Sharon did a great job in writing about him and and the Grizzlies uh, here. Is I think it's year 21 now that franchise here in, in Memphis and it's um it's just going to be great Toby to have fans back in in FedEx Forum I believe you know you, you got to be vaccinated you got to have or have proof of a, a negative COVID test to get in but just having crowds again 
for both of these basketball teams are going to make it feel a lot more, a lot more Memphis. You know, Memphis. What is Memphis without basketball when the weather gets cool? And, and we've got that again. Yeah, uh, I can only imagine what that uh, uh, what that feels like, especially for the players who've been playing no one really uh, uh, for the past what twenty months uh, or so. There, um, what's interesting to me about uh, the beginnings of these seasons, and you've you've seen many seasons of different sports coming and going. As a sports writer, do you find it? Do you have to say? Every year, like okay, this is the year. Okay, that we've got a lot to, we've got a lot of optimism going into this year. Is that how you approach these things, or do every year you're like, okay, let's accentuate the positives? How do you go into these stories? Yeah, man, you know, every team starts the season undefeated. That's a great question, and and heck yeah, <laughs> we're gonna win the title this year. This yeah. is our year, Toby. I mean, <laughs> you know it, I know it. I mean, I, I say that to myself when I look in the mirror in the morning. Uh, yeah, optimism is supreme early in a season, whatever the sport is. I, I think, I think, you know. Realism also sets in if you've got a team in a in a transition period, whether it's with a new coach or some stars that have moved on via trade or retirement. You've got some rebuilding in the air. I think you know you know realists with the Grizzlies know that that is is still a team that's rising. They've got a young coach in Taylor Jenkins, and as I said, Morant is just is so young. He, he's precocious, but he's still young. Um, so the Grizzlies are still rising uh, to to act like a 2022 NBA championship. Parade's going to happen on Beale Street. I think that might be stretching a little bit, but you know, a return to the playoffs, which they made last last spring, is, is very realistic. And as for the Tigers, you know, they're ranked 12th in the country right now. You know, so do the math on that. Uh, that you know, when you, rankings before anyone's you know, you know, tipped off, somewhat silly. But you know, the, those who are who call themselves experts consider Memphis among the top 15 teams in the country, and that tells me. But they have a reasonable chance of getting, you know, not just to the NCAA tournament, but maybe into that second weekend, which is, as we know, is the Sweet 16. And if that happens, uh, there's going to be a lot of excitement in this town. And and but but for now, yeah, absolutely. When they're 0 and 0, I'm telling you, Toby, this is the year for the Memphis Tigers. <laughs> and you know, just just. Uh, <laughs> Terrell Owens, get your popcorn ready. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, switching gears one more time to the end of here, talk about a win that has already happened. It's been a long slog and a long fight, but uh, Memphis got a win recently, and you were there almost every step of the way. We got a new statue of Larry Finch over on the basketball great uh, Larry Finch over on the campus of the University of Memphis campus. Um, you were there pushing for this thing early on. We finally made it happen. Talk about that that road. Oh man, it was so exciting last Thursday, Toby. I um I, I get sort of goosebumps chatting with you about it here. Um, the uh, yeah the unveiling and and just before the unveiling when there were 200 250 people packed into the Lori Walton Center of the Rotunda, it was a gloomy day if you remember last Thursday, kind of rain threatening. But just people just packed this uh, the lobby of this basketball center for some remarks from among others Penny Hardaway who. Penny got up to the microphone and it took him about 60 seconds just to get himself together to, to say something about his former coach and, and this legend, but legendary player, coach, but, but human being that, um, that we finally honored the right way. It was, um, it was an extraordinary day. You know, I, I, um, I first wrote about the, the idea of a Larry Finch statue in the March 2008 issue of Memphis Magazine. And that was a time when a very good Tiger basketball team was on its way to the Final Four. Uh, they lost in in the national championship game that year to Kansas, but it it was a time that reminded me to remind other Memphians of the greatness of Larry Finch. And he was very sick at the time. Uh, he, he died three years later, 
but to remind folks that, you know, let's get excited about Derrick Rose and John Calipari and this remarkable team we have. But let's also remember a man who helped kind of make this, this all make, make this vibe happen. And during a time when, uh, when Memphis was really struggling with itself, you know, in, in the aftermath of Dr. King's assassination. Uh, so Larry Finch's impact goes well beyond the basketball floor and the, and the folks behind this. And again, I, I was, I was just the town crier selling sunshine, but the folks that, that put the money down and, and the sculptor who got involved with this and, the, and those who wrote the, the tributes that are on, on four different displays at the plaza really nailed it. I mean, and, and I wouldn't be afraid to criticize if they didn't, because there are, there are statues that are done poorly and, and there are, are tributes that, that fall short, but this one is extraordinary. I hope um, anyone who listens to this will take time to go to park and get well. And you don't have to pay a dime. It, it's outdoors. You can, have a sandwich, a, a cold drink, uh, but just be be among Larry Finch, uh, his spirit. I, I I have sort of a, a, a statue fetish, Toby, and I believe you can channel the souls <laughs> of our heroes when you're near a, a statue. And I like to, I, I took my dog and, and my wife, we went over uh, Sunday afternoon on a glorious sunny day. And just, we were, we just hung out with Larry for 15 or 20 minutes and it makes you feel good, makes you feel happy. And it just makes you feel like someone who did so much for this city is still of this city, and which he is. He would be with or without the statue, but the statue is now a tangible way that we can look and gaze and salute, take a selfie, and remind ourselves that that um, our town is also Larry Finch's town. That, that's that's a pretty darn good feeling. Amazing. You had goosebumps at the beginning. I got goosebumps right now. Go over there, check out that statue of Larry Finch, and uh, and let's tip our hat to Frank Murtaugh, who has pushed for this thing for a very, very long time, got it past the finish line. Uh, Frank, as always, thanks for everything. Thanks for your enthusiasm, your energy. Uh, go out, read his cover story in the Memphis Flyer this week, or you can find it at memphisflyer.com. And, uh, and check up regularly with Frank as he, again, he's our Tigers beat writer. Uh, Frank, thanks for all you do, sir. Jackson Baker, of course, he writes politics for us at the Memphis Flyers, the politics editor. He's been doing this and doing it well for a very, very long time, enough to uh, make an appearance in a book uh, that he wrote about this week. Uh, Jackson, how you doing, sir? I'm doing fine. And, and uh, you know, we live in a fishbowl here where sometimes we exaggerate the size of that fishbowl. But uh, Carol Chumney, who was a city council member, and a uh, and also a state legislator and a candidate for mayor on a couple of occasions is well remembered by many people. She has written a 600-page memoir about her local political career. So you know she has enlarged the fishbowl a little bit. And and you know in, in the book she makes it clear that our fishbowl is a pretty fishy place. <laughs> And she uh, and she's not wrong about that. Uh, I remember her she, as, she, as a candidate uh, some time ago. I remember those big uh, billboards of her maybe laying on a stack of books is the way I remember it. Uh, did she start out as a as a state legislator first, or was she a city councilman next? She she was in the legislature for some years and then uh, uh, ran for the council, uh, won won her first race. Uh, um, got to be something of a maverick on the council. One thing she says in the book is she. She seems not to like the term maverick, which has been applied to her many times. <laughs> and I, I applied it to her many times. And, and uh, but that's what she was. She, she uh, for better and for worse, 
she she was a unique voice and and was not she didn't play she wasn't one of the good old boys or good old girls she she was not uh averse to finding fault with what she saw around her which and again this is because she plays there was a lot to say around her yeah, and, and uh, uh, you know, I think that term "maverick" kind of, uh, uh, you know, the Sarah Palin uh, episode kind of took "maverick" into a different place. We might not want to be called that anymore. I can understand maybe if that's where uh, Miss Jim. You can call me one if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> maverick care. Jackson Baker coming at you here at ninety-one point seven. Um, so uh, in her political career, the book, by the way, is called The Arena, One Woman's Story. And, of course, the arena is the political arena. Um, in there, what what were some of the kind of the, the big policies that she's known for? Well, you know, she actually got uh, some pretty good ink, and, and deservedly so, when she was in the legislature for uh, a number of measures having to do with child care reform, uh, reforming children's care in, in a number of different ways. And. That was, uh, you know, she did fine there. She came to the city, and mainly as a city council person, she was uh, looking at uh, financial hanky-panky and uh, programs ill-administered and that sort of thing. Uh, as far as anecdotes um, per se, it's, it's all pretty, it's pretty hard, it's pretty hard policy stuff, really, for 600 pages, and if you have an interest in uh, local politics, an interest in the time, it's very revealing. And you know a great deal about politics and politicians uh, and why this is a big deal. You write here in the story, uh, a great deal of her focus is on her races for office, including the one for Memphis mayor in 2007, in which she came within seven points of unseating longtime mayoral incumbent Willie Harrington and might have done so if it had not been for the third candidate in the race, uh, which is lawyer and NAACP eminence Herman Morris. I remember that race. And to come within seven points of Willie Harrington with a a third candidate that's no small feat right but she, she did pretty well and and uh, you know that was her high watermark she tried again later on to lesser effect but uh, you know she made she had her an impact on local politics local government no question about it and of course her main thing then as now she continues to speak to this and probably should is the idea of the glass ceiling because as she sees it a lot of her inability to achieve her ultimate goals was owing to the fact that she was a woman and there's still resistance to having a woman succeed in politics. That's how she sees it. Much of the book is about that. And again, that book's called The Arena, One Woman's Story. It's about uh, by Carol Chumney. Also in the book, uh, uh, she, she gives a little ink to Jackson Baker in there. What does she say about you, Jackson? Well, I'll tell you, when, when I'm... Uh, when she informed me that the book was out, she's been talking about this book for years. And when she informed me the book was out, I went to Amazon and saw I could get a Kindle version, immediately downloaded it. And I did what anybody would do under the circumstances. Uh, I went through it, to, you know, scanned it very quickly looking for my name. <laughs> <laughs> she, she doesn't have an index, so you had to do it that way if you want to see what, what she says about you. And it took me all damn day. It really did. Uh, uh, she has a number of things to say, many of them very flattering. Uh, and she ends the book on a note of saying that if there is ever a faithful account written of women struggling in politics, it might it might be by the graceful writer Jackson Baker. I really appreciate that. But she takes shots at me, uh, you know, through the book too for not giving her a full her full scope. And sometimes she sees me as a ratty sexist, I think. And, and <laughs> You know, yeah. uh, but she, she she told me over the phone it was, it was going to be a fair account, and I would say it is pretty much fair. 
Well, that's fantastic. I couldn't imagine seeing somebody writing about me in a book. So that's a, uh, that's it will uh, happen, Toby. Believe me, it will happen. <laughs> I'll do it. Nobody else will. The, the book, of course, is The Arena One Woman Story. That's by Carol Chumney. It's 608-page volume. It's available now from Amazon and hardback, uh, paperback, and the Kindle version. Well, Jackson, thank you so much for everything and for all you do for us, buddy. Uh, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Okay, man. You too. calendar here see if we can't find some stuff to help you get your weekend together probably the biggest event this weekend is field days this is various locations mostly around downtown memphis this is a celebration of all things outdoors it's brought to you by discover memphis naturally it's the very first field days it's a lot of outdoor events here the biggest ones being the Pier Power Big River Crossing Half Marathon and 5K, the Huzzah on the Harbor Kayak Race, and the Grit and Grind Gravel Grinder Bicycle Race. Not to mention a scavenger hunt with Envision Memphis, Zumba taught by David Quarles, kayaking tours, TikTok, and line dancing lessons, and so much more. That's field days. That's various locations around town. This is Friday to Sunday, November 5th through the 7th. That Golden Girl show premieres tonight at the Halloran Center. It starts at 7.30 p.m. It's a brand new show that parodies classic Golden Girls moments with Sophia, Rose, Blanche, and Dorothy as puppets. The show is tonight through Saturday at 7.30 p.m. Tickets are $45. There's also a Sunday matinee at 2.30. Over at Elmwood Cemetery, True Crimes of Bygone Times, a cemetery tour. This is Saturday, November 6th from 2.30 to 4 p.m. Tickets are $20. Follow volunteer Sheena Barnett through the cemetery as she weaves true crime tales of decades past. Who was accused of lacing her cookies with arsenic? Who married seven times and was accused of offing at least three of her spouses? How were tamales involved in one Prohibition-era murder? Go check it out. True Crimes of Bygone Times. That's at Elmwood Cemetery. The 2021 Buffalo Run 5K and Bison Day celebration at Shelby Farms Park. This is Saturday. Starts at 9 a.m., goes to 1 p.m. Tickets are $25. Observe National Bison Day with a 5K through scenic areas of Shelby Farms Park. The celebration will include music by 88.5, food trucks, a local market, tethered hot air balloon rides, and more all proceeds help to maintain Shelby Farms. The Memphis Japan Festival at Memphis Botanic Gardens. This is Sunday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's free with a garden admission. Celebrate Japanese history and culture with a full day of music, dance, martial arts, and a roving Japanese candy man. Plus, festival goers can go check out Japanese merchandise, artwork, anime, a taste of Japan, and much more. That is Sunday out at Memphis Botanic Gardens. All right, y'all head out this weekend. Have a great time and be safe. Michael Donahue is our man about town. That means a whole lot of things uh, on different weeks. This week, it means uh, you're a food writer for us. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, Toby. What's you, going on? Well, I want to talk about turkey legs, buddy. And you've got the you've got the inside dope on uh, turkey legs from Free Soul. What is going on? Well, he started this a while back. It's a family recipe that. Uh, I think they pretty much tweaked, but it's uh, turkey legs, which if you think about it, there's really, I can't think of anywhere you can just go get a turkey leg. 
but these are at uh, right now he's operating out of uh, uh, the uh, Carolina uh, watershed. Watershed, thank you. And I've had one, and it's incredible. I mean, it's it's because it fall off the bone turkey legs, red bone turkey legs, and you can get them stuffed with all kinds of things with alfredo sauce on top and and it's gigantic and as he said this isn't your walk around turkey leg like you see at the fair <laughs> can't walk around with this in fact you can hardly walk around after you eat it because it's you know you want to just go sleep but it's, let's uh, let's, really let's back up for just a minute and and talk about who free soul is how you started writing about him uh and your your relationship up to now you guys have really kept in touch yeah, Free Soul is a, a nationally recorded. I mean, from Memphis, you know, from here, and and uh, and recorded and signed to I think with Interscope Records, and uh, and they've been on the David Letterman show. Free Soul is also the name of his band. Excuse me, and uh, you know, just big deal in music. And I was talking to him several months ago, and he said that always wanted to open a restaurant. And he moved back to Memphis from L.A., I think is where he'd been living. And he's married now and decided to do this business. And it's now he's partnered with Tony Westmoreland, who's got a lot of restaurants, his restaurant group in Memphis, including Zinni's and Grizzlies. Uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, not Grizzlies. What's the place over in Poplar? But uh, he's Growlers. With it's called Growlers. Growlers. Growlers, thank you, Grizzlies Growlers, <laughs> and uh, and they're really just moving forward and doing all kinds of things. And now, Free Soul has taken over the kitchen of Carolina Watershed, and he's doing all kinds of other foods, most turkey related. Tell me about the menu. Well, it's uh, that's just what he told me. I've, all I've had is the turkey leg. Here's what and you say we, about it. He said they oh. sell they sell turkey cob salad, turkey barbecue pizza, and turkey bowls. Uh, and he says we have a turkey barbecue sandwich that tastes uh, tastes just like pork. Uh, the menu includes greens, mac and cheese, and cornbread. They sell a range of turkey legs, which are served by themselves or flavored with buffalo, garlic parmesan, Cajun Alfredo, or Tennessee whiskey, uh, Tennessee whiskey sauces. Uh, and some are stuffed with dirty rice, mac and cheese, spinach casserole, or a mixture of the toppings. Um, and uh, it said the turkey legs start at $12 and they go up to $37. And Free Soul told you uh, that it feels like it's its own steak. Now, you tried some of this. How is it? It's amazing. I mean, it's amazingly good. And I had the one that had everything in it. And and this was a huge thing. I mean, it's not, like you said, just a turkey leg you're going to hold in your hand. It was like uh, just this big thing with all this rice and everything coming out. I mean, it's, it. in fact, I had to share it with two other people. There was kind of, since Showboat Barbecue went out of business, but there's kind of been a dearth of turkey legs. So... <laughs> Check out Michael Donahue's story in this week's Memphis Flyer or go check him out at memphisflyer.com. Michael, thanks for all you do, buddy. All right, that is going to do it for my half of Memphis Flyer Radio, the talk half of the show. 
You gotta stick around for that second half of the show, though. That's the better half of the show with our music editor, Alex Green, who's gonna spin you some records, tell you some tales, and sound daggum good doing it, too. All right, y'all. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you next Friday. Have a great weekend. Uh, We'll talk to you then. Alex, take it away. Thank you. Thank you.